This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 52 of the 60-day legislative session, where bills are passing fast and furious as the clock winds down. As expected, the Florida House approves a bill to expand the private school voucher program. I'm not going to argue vouchers with you. I'm just asking right now, have some level of accountability. Make sure children are getting the education they deserve. I believe in the wisdom of our private schools and our parents. And to say that they're unaccountable and they're irresponsible is absurd. Vouchers began as a way to help low-income families send their kids to private schools. Under this bill, vouchers would be available to any family with an annual income of $100,000 or less. The House passes Representative Chip Lamarca's bill to fix the state's unemployment compensation system. This is a major infrastructure program for Floridians seeking unemployment. And to date, members, the state of Florida has paid out over $26 billion, with a B, to nearly 2.5 million people in the system. The vast majority of that money actually came from the feds, not the state. And the House bill does nothing to improve unemployment benefits in Florida. The House approves a bill that will mean free books for students who are not reading at their grade level. The New World's Reading Initiative is more than just a free book delivery system. This is a bill that will change children's lives. Another bill that could change children's lives is the one that says health care professionals will have their licenses suspended immediately if they are charged with certain sex crimes. Senate Bill 1934 would close a gap in public safety by triggering a temporary suspension of a health care practitioner's license upon being criminally charged with specific heinous crimes against children and our elders pending legal conclusion to these charges. Senator Lauren Book filed the bill after her family pediatrician was charged with possession of child pornography. The Senate also dove into a rather odd issue, the otter cats. Thank you, Mr. President. So, I mean, you've got to shoot me straight. Do you, do you believe the otter cat exists or not? There are folks that have seen it. We have evidence. Just tell me, do you believe they exist? Don't worry, it's not another invasive species. It was just a freshman hazing. We'll also check your calendar of events and close the show with the stories of two Florida women. One claims to be a witch. The other was hit in the head by a turtle that crashed through her windshield on the interstate. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, April 22nd. This is Earth Day, National Jelly Bean Day, and National Take Your Kids to Work Day. It was on this date in 1976 that Barbara Walters at ABC became the first woman to anchor the nightly news. In 1998, Animal Kingdom opened at Walt Disney World near Orlando. And on this date in 2000, federal agents staged a pre-dawn raid to take six-year-old Ilion Gonzalez from his relative's home in Miami so he could be reunited with his father in Cuba. The state added 5,571 new cases of COVID-19 Wednesday, and Florida's health department reported 85 additional fatalities. We're ranked eighth in the country over the past week for new infections, with 217 cases for every 100,000 residents. More than 8,228,000 Floridians have now been vaccinated, but almost 3 million of them are still waiting for their second shot. The Florida House approves a bill expanding and consolidating the state's private school voucher programs. Representative Robin Bartleman of Weston opposed House Bill 7045 because private schools that receive those tax dollars do not have to meet the basic accountability standards required of public schools. 
The only way we know that our kids are reading on level is if we test them. When I spoke yesterday, I informed you that, that only 70% of the schools publish the data of their test results. So we don't really know if any of these private voucher schools have kids reading on level. But what we do know with the FSU study is that two-thirds of them have posted an average of three-year negative, negative uh, learning gains. And we're not doing anything about that. 60% of parents who choose vouchers go back in two years. And the argument was, well, the system works. If they're going back, that's natural. Here's the problem. It doesn't work. Because those kids never get those two years back, number one. And number two, because we don't require the posting of those failing voucher schools data, other parents are going to choose that school and we're going to lose another generation of students. This is all about students here. These are children. I am going to philosophically disagree with you all day on vouchers, all day. But what I can say is since we do have vouchers, all of the bills I spoke of, all the teacher certifications, why aren't all of you doing that to the voucher program? Why aren't you all placing those, those accountability measures on the schools that are taking our tax dollars to educate our students? That's all I'm asking here. I'm not gonna argue vouchers with you. I'm just asking right now, have some level of accountability. Make sure children are getting the education they deserve. But Representative Thad Altman of India Latic says private school made a big difference in his life, and he thinks more parents deserve the same choice in where their kids are schooled. I do not see a differentiation between our public schools and our private schools. They have the same mission, to work together to educate our children in the way that their parents choose to have their children uh, educated and to deprive hundreds of thousands of Floridians from that choice is anti-child and anti-parent. I believe in the wisdom of our private schools and our parents. And to say that they're unaccountable and they're irresponsible is absurd. Freedom, freedom and competition, what our system is built on. Can you imagine somebody being a prison to the government and making the biggest decision they make for their children, where and how they're educated. But you know, that was happening in our state. And we gave freedom to our parents and look at the gains we've had. The bill also changes vouchers set aside for students with disabilities and exceptional needs. Representative Allison Tant of Tallahassee enrolled her own son in a voucher school that promised it could provide the care he needed. But she says it didn't last long. What happens in too many cases is that a charter school or voucher school will open, make promises to families who are scared, who are seeking for, seeking some sort of option, and then lo and behold, into the school first nine weeks or the second nine weeks, the students are dismissed back to public schools. The, the private schools or the charter schools are not able to provide what the parents need. The families are very, very disillusioned. They're very disappointed and they're frightened and they are not really getting what they signed up for. There is no way to gauge as a parent 
is this school over here going to provide what they tell me they're going to provide? Do they have the personnel to do it? Do they have the, the licensed teachers? Do they have the OTPT speech therapists that the public school does? We've got to have the ability for a parent to make the right decision for their kids. And under this bill, they just don't yet. And when these kids come back to our school districts, they are woefully behind, woefully behind. And it takes months and months, if not a year or so, to catch them up. The sponsor of the voucher bill, Representative Randy Fine of Palm Bay, says it basically does three things. The first thing it does is it creates more options and more opportunities for more children and more parents to make the right choices for them. Because it's not about low income anymore. You can make up to $100,000. We are now creating that option for more people to make the right decision to them so schools can be accountable to parents. And it takes care of children with special needs by eliminating the issues we've had with wait lists to make sure we don't have to deal with, with caps for Gardner. They don't have to apply every year. And we're increasing the amount of money for most children while making sure not a single one who is currently in the program will ever see a cut. We're increasing flexibility for people. Education is about children. It's not about the institution. It's not about the people who work there. It's not about the people who run it. It is about making sure that every child has the greatest chance that they can have in life. This bill fights for children. This bill fights for parents. The final vote on the voucher bill was 79 to 36. A bill to fix Florida's unemployment compensation system passes the House unanimously, and Democrats who complained about it the day before went out of their way to thank the sponsor, Republican Chip Lamarca of Lighthouse Point. Representative Anna Escamani of Orlando says the bill does not address their concerns about stingy benefits, but it does fix the system and should make it easier to apply. So many of the issues that we're facing when it comes to backlog with unemployment is tied to lack of staffing and, of course, the Broken Connect website, which has been the bane of my existence for over a year now. Uh, we needed this bill during the summer. We needed this bill years ago. And I do hope it sets a culture of accountability with the Department of Economic Opportunity that we actually maintain these systems and upgrade systems that everyday Floridians rely on uh, to, to meet their health and well-being. Um, with that said, members, I don't want you to think that this is the only unemployment bill we should be working on. I already brought forth amendments yesterday of how to improve the benefits that people actually access. Um, but I do want to stress that some of the questions I had on the bill around the work search requirement waiver, around the job search uh, numbers, around being able to um, have access to the Connect website and different platforms and applying through paper and so forth. We got to make sure that we're, this system continues to be prioritized for, for improvements, but those improvements are ones that folks of every background, every language can access. Representative Omari Hardy of Palm Beach County says it's nowhere near what they wanted, but it is a start. This bill does right, and this bill also does no wrong. And I'll be supporting it because it is an improvement to a system that didn't work for countless Floridians, including the folks in my district in Palm Beach County. I will say this though, we could have done more for the people of this state. The problems with the unemployment system go beyond infrastructure. Our benefits are too low. You can't get them for long enough. And I spoke on a previous bill about adopting contrived notions of fairness. Well, there is a mythology 
of poor people. There is a mythology of people who have fallen on hard times, who have basically had bad luck. And that mythology says that if you help them, they won't help themselves. I know lots of folks who have been down on their luck and who have had to deal with this unemployment system. And I can tell you nobody I know is sitting at home collecting an unemployment check and turning down opportunities for good work because of the check they're getting from the state of Florida. I will be voting for this bill. I just wish there were more in it for working class people. But there's something to the adage that you should live to fight another day. Another Democrat described this bill as a baby step, but Representative Lamarcus says it's way more than that. This is a major infrastructure program for Floridians seeking unemployment. And to date, members, the state of Florida has paid out over $26 billion, with a B, to nearly 2.5 million people in the system. If a claimant received reemployment benefits from April 2020 to April 2021, they could have received an average weekly benefit of about $563, which includes both the state and federal benefits available during that time period. That would make their 52-week income level at almost $30,000, which is equivalent to an hourly rate of just over $14, which, as we know, is an aspirational minimum wage rate for many of my friends here in the, in the chamber, what we, basically what we pay our legislative aides. With federal extensions, claimants could have collected unemployment for 77 weeks, almost a year and a half. Members, a great deal of love was shown yesterday by members in this chamber for the federal assistance that Floridians received during the pandemic. Now, whether they were Donald dollars or Biden bucks, they were certainly helpful. And that is exactly what our federal safety net is there for. So right, wrong, or indifferent, the amount of, and the duration of benefits is not what this very good infrastructure bill is about. This bill fixes a broken system. With that, I close. While the House chose not to increase benefits, the Senate bill does include a $100 a week increase in the maximum benefit. That difference will have to be worked out between the two chambers. The House has also approved one of the Speaker's priorities, a bill sending free books to Florida kids who are reading below their grade level. Representative Dana Trabalsi of Fort Pierce says it will change their lives. 43% of our third grade students are low performing readers. Um, if the House of Representatives was a third grade class, that would equal 51 of us as low performing readers. Um, of that, 88% may not graduate high school, and that equates to 45 of us. Additionally, 85% of children who interface with juvenile courts are low literate readers. So HB3, the New World's Reading Initiative is more than just a free book delivery system. This is a bill that will change children's lives. And I can tell you from my own personal experience that reading changed my life. As, um, as a young girl, I had an older brother, very much older. My children, my parents were very overprotective and I lived a pretty sheltered life. And books were my windows and doors into imagination, into a new world. And they were my friends. They, reading has been everything to me. Because, again, from kindergarten through third grade, we learn to read. And from third grade on, we read to learn. So with this free home book delivery system, it's more than just a free book delivered every month. It's a way to change a child's life. It's a way for them to run to the mailbox once a month and, 
and grab something that's just for them. It's going to engage them. It's going to make them excited about reading, and they didn't even know that's what the intention was. We're going to engage parents. We're going to engage families, and we're going to create libraries for individual families and other low-literate learners in the household. More than half a million Florida kids could qualify for free books under the program. The Senate has yet to pass the bill, but it's already been approved by three of their committees and is ready for the floor. The Senate votes to crack down on health care professionals charged with any sort of sex crime against kids or seniors. Senator Lauren Book of Plantation, who is herself a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, filed the bill after learning that her kid's pediatrician had been arrested on child pornography charges. After practicing under the radar for two decades, charismatic and well-loved pediatrician Dr. Michael Mizraki was arrested in January of this year. He was charged with uh, possession of child pornography, sending sexual messages to and soliciting naked pictures from a child, and taking illicit photos of young girls from our community in various forms of undress. Since pursuing action against these predatory physicians from the State Board of Medicine and the Surgeon General, who have declined to take any action at all, I've received countless calls, emails, and letters detailing accounts of physicians' abuse from survivors and parents across across our state. Let's be very clear, 99.9% of doctors are good and kind and caring professionals. They are heroes who, have dedicated, who are dedicated to saving their lives, not ruining them um, with ab abuse and exploitation. Senate Bill 1934 would close a gap in public safety by triggering a temporary suspension of a health care practitioner's license upon being criminally charged with specific heinous crimes against children and our elders pending legal conclusion to these charges. This is not about a simple allegation of inappropriate behavior, the immediate suspension of a license should occur when allegations of these crimes rise to the level of an arrest and filed charges, meaning there was at least enough evidence to warrant serious concerns. The bill was approved unanimously by the Senate. Book was also elected by fellow Democrats as their leader after next year's elections. Senator Perry Thurston of Fort Lauderdale had already been designated as the next Democratic leader, but he's leaving the Senate later this year to run for the congressional seat that is now vacant following the death of Alcee Hastings. Next up on Sunrise, the saga of Otter Cat. There's a tradition in the legislature of hazing rookie lawmakers when their first bill hits the floor. So when Senator Travis Hudson rose to talk about his bill dealing with abandoned and derelict vessels in Florida waters, Senator Manny Diaz threw him a curveball. So I have been having some conversation with Senator Auburn about some concerns he has regarding FWC and the recognition or denial of the existence of the Jaguarundi or Otter Cat in the state of Florida. Do you have any information on this or are you looking to do some kind of study or request? Senator Hudson. Thank you, Mr. President. And we've had some discussions amongst the members here on the existence of the otter cat or the, the jaguar undi. And I think it's something that FWC needs to look into uh, because I think they, they allegedly may be a problem in, in the state of Florida. And I, I think Senator Broder has caught one on camera possibly. Uh, so we, we do need to look into that, and I've had some discussions with them, and maybe we can uh, look at doing that next year. Senator Albritton for a question. Thank you, Mr. President. So, I mean, you've got to shoot me straight. Do you, do you believe the AutoCAD exists or not? I mean, there's nothing, we've talked about this, there's nothing in your legislation to try to get the fish and wildlife to understand whether or not these things are out there. There are folks that have seen it. We have evidence. Just tell me, do you believe they exist? Senator Hudson. Thank you, Mr. President. I have Googled the otter cat, and I will tell you, uh, it does not look Photoshopped to me. So I think that FWC should look into the existence of the otter cat. Senator Boyd, you are recognized in debate. Thank you, Mr. President. I just want to thank you, Senator Hudson, for your efforts. The uh, 
a problem exists in our community and several of the coastal cities in our community and you've uh, gone a long way and FWC has as well. So thank you very much. And by the way, the AutoCAT does exist. Senator Hudson, you're recognized to close. Thank you, Mr. President. I'm happy to get this done and send it to the Florida House and like a derelict vessel, I never want to see it again. Hudson wasn't the only rookie being hazed. Senator Tina Polsky of Miami-Dade was next in line for the AutoCAT. Senator of the 11th, Senator Bracey, you're recognized for a question. What is your view on AutoCATs? <laughs> Senator Polsky. I'm a dog person, so I do not have a good view of anything cat-ish. Senator Polsky, you're recognized to close. I, I, I want to give you time. I, uh, this, is a, this is a magic moment. Senator Polsky. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I just want to say I appreciate that this is my first bill. Like Senator Hudson, you will never see me do another boating or anchoring bill ever again. Thank you. Um, done with this topic. There are still eight days left in the session, so AutoCAT could rear its furry head again at any time. On Monday, just before midnight, the governor signed that bill requiring online retailers from other states to add the Florida sales tax on orders that come from Florida. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried responded with a video saying, you should be pissed. Ron DeSantis raised your taxes by over a billion dollars. And he did it right before midnight with no cameras, no one watching. Yet earlier that day, he was able to hold a huge press conference, taking away your First Amendment rights. But last night, when he took a billion dollars from you, no one was watching. I'm pissed, and you should be pissed too. Now go tell the other 22 million Floridians across our state that Ron DeSantis just raised our taxes by over a billion dollars. Republicans insist this is not a new tax, just a better way to collect one you're already supposed to be paying. But it does take more than a billion dollars a year from the pockets of consumers, and the money is indeed being used to cut business taxes. And that is going to be an issue when DeSantis runs for re-election next year. Freed hasn't officially declared herself to be a candidate yet, but you know the old saying, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. Or maybe an otter cat, if you're good with Photoshop. It's calendar time, people. The House Appropriations Committee meets at 8. The Board of the South Florida Water Management District meets online at 9. Trustees at the University of Central Florida meet at 8.30. The Senate holds a floor session at 10. The House holds a floor session at 10. The Supreme Court releases weekly opinions at 11. The Department of Economic Opportunity is holding meetings in Panama City at 1 and Port St. Joe at 5.30 to gather input about the state's efforts to get almost $47 million in federal mitigation funding for communities affected by Hurricane Michael. And Orlando Congress Congresswoman Val Demings speaks during an online meeting of the Lee County Democratic Party at 6. A Florida woman ended up in the hospital after a turtle crashed through her windshield and hit her in the head as she was driving on Interstate 95 near Port Orange. It is not the first time this has happened, but it's been a while. A spokesperson for the Highway Patrol says the last time a turtle was reported crashing into a windshield in Volusia County was five years ago on Interstate 4. The victim was treated for a head injury. No word on the condition of the turtle. Finally today, police in Naples say they're looking for a Florida woman who offered witchcraft and spiritual services to her victims. The alleged witch calls herself Rosalia, and she advertised in Hispanic newspapers and radio stations. She also posted flyers in laundromats. One victim gave her almost $30,000 in cash so she could bless the money and purge it of evil. He never saw it again. All in all, police say the Florida woman stole $100,000 from 10 different victims. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.